Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Busyness and challenge is not the same thing as a lack of peace. Amen. And what the Lord's put on my heart for this month is that he wants to build us into a people that have a greater understanding of his peace. That actually, you know that that's a practical thing. He wants you to be a people that are so marked by him, that are so full of his peace that you're like an alien with three heads in this world. That like they, people notice you because you're different that way. Okay, and I, I believe it's practical. I believe he wants to give it to us. Um, just very quickly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring back again, you know, peace. Um, we talked about last week um, in the Old Testament is the word shalom. Okay, it's not just a nice, wonderful feeling. Peace, the way God speaks about it, is um, completeness. It's the fullness of him in your life. It's prosperity. It's well-being. It's, and like I said, we, we could teach on it for the rest of the year and never, never get to the bottom of what God means when he says shalom, peace. Okay? That's what we're talking about this morning. Go with me to John um, 16 and verse 33. I'm just going to reground us, okay? And then there's, we have a really big gift this morning. I believe that. And John 16, 33 says, These things, Jesus speaking here, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So leave that up for me. Where is your peace? In him. He says, in me is your peace. And he promises that the world doesn't have his peace. Okay, we have to start there. So, oh, here I go. Okay, so you, <laughs> so you know you look out at your world. You know you do this. It's not just me. You look out and you're wondering, oh, why don't I have peace? Why is there not peace in this? Why is there not peace in my business? Or I'm waiting in this line. This is not peaceful. And, and it just, it's just, we just have to recognize that never were we ever supposed to look for peace in this world. It's not there. It's in him. Okay, go to Romans 14 and verse 17. See, and understand while you're turning there, it's in him. You see, Jesus is the kingdom, and the kingdom is within you. So that's why it's in him. It's not in this world. It's, it's, it's a substance. It's a reality of his kingdom, which is within you. That's where, that's where peace is. Okay, here in Romans says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Okay, now listen to me. God's shalom, before I even read on, God's shalom does have to do with your well-being, with your sustenance, with your prosperity, okay? I'm not teaching a prosperity gospel. I'm just saying Jesus cares about your well-being. Do you believe that? Okay, uh, and so what this is not saying that it that it's he doesn't care about your needs. This is just saying that the foundation of his kingdom, the starting place for peace is not eating and drinking. Okay, that's what this is saying. And it goes on and says, but but what is the kingdom? It is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So how does he provide? It is in him and he is in you. How does he provide the peace? 
in the Holy Spirit. Okay? The substance of the kingdom, the reality of the kingdom is available to you. First of all, you believe that it's available to you? That's good. Because it is. And it is in the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's in Him. It's in the Holy Spirit. One more step and we'll have a good foundation for where we're going. Um, Go to Luke 19 and verse 41. And we looked at this last week. As you're turning there, this is Jesus riding into Jerusalem in his last week before he finishes his earthly work, okay? And it says, it says here, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Do you remember why he wept over it? Saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. I'm convinced he weeps over us. Because we don't have a handle. (laughs) We don't know the things that make for our peace. Does this scripture quicken your spirit to realize that it is critical to understand the things that make for your peace? Do you know why? If you don't know, you will not have peace. Jesus wept because they didn't understand the things that make for their peace. Uh, Go to Luke chapter 2. We're almost done with this foundation stuff. Verse 13. This is the announcement of the shepherd, uh, the angels, to the shepherds of Jesus' birth coming. And listen to these words. Here it says, And suddenly there was an angel, there was with Why can't I not read this? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. Now this is the Greek word. Actually, it's not. Never mind. Toss that out. Um, That's later. And it says goodwill. Do you know what that means? Goodwill. Satisfaction, delight, and purpose are in the definition of goodwill. So it's that comprehensive shalom, right? Peace is delight. He wants you to be satisfied. Do you know that he made you with needs? That was not a whoops. (laughs) You are supposed to have needs. You are supposed to deeply feel them. Like, for example, the need for love. He made you that way, okay? But he means for you to be satisfied full of delight. And in that word, oddly enough, is purpose. In other words, goodwill. Do you understand completeness, the fullness of God, your well-being rests in your purpose? He's crazy about you. He has good plans. He has a, a destiny. Do you have a sense of destiny? If you don't, you should pray about it. And that's another message, so I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Purpose. Now, now, one more. I want to go to Isaiah, these banners up here. Isaiah um, verse 9. And I can't help myself, so we'll start in 6. We'll read the whole thing here. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. I'm not even going to touch that today. That it go- <laughs> or we'll be in trouble. Um, it, it goes on and says, and his name will be called wonderful. It's not wonderful counselor. There's a comma there. He will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. 
Now, here's why we're reading this. Of the increase of his government and peace. Now, let me just stop for a minute. You understand that he has a government. Okay, he's got a kingdom. His kingdom has a government of which he is the king. Thank God. (laughs) And of the government and his peace. That's what's prophesied in his birth. And of the increase. Okay, do you know that what was just promised you is that it will increase? So if you're having the opposite of a lack of increase of his government in your life and his peace in your life, then you're not going the direction of him. Okay, listen to me. It's a promise that his government and his peace will increase. It is increasing. Do you understand when you look at the world, when you watch the news and you see the ever-increasing decline of, of peace, the chaos, the war, the horror, you're looking at the world that has nothing to do with his government. Do you know that? The Word of God tells us that his government is increasing. Now, whether it's increasing in your life, that's another question. But his government is increasing. How do I know that's still true? Because it goes on and says, um, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You can take that to the bank. It's increasing. Okay, now I'm going to tell you a quick story. I am going to do it quickly. But um, I was having lunch with um, someone that I now consider to, to be a really dear friend to me in this church, one of my favorite people. And, um, and he, he challenged me. Actually, he started the lunch this way. I was frustrated already. I'm like, I'm ready to get down to business. And he starts by going, so do, do you know your life verse? And he, he's asked me this before. And, um, and, of course, I'm already irritated because I'm like, God has done so many has had so many powerful seasons in my life full of his word and his verses. You want me to pick one? I'm always irritated by that question. And then he says, it, it leads to where he tells me, well, consider it. I think it's important. And um, I left the lunch going, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and then the Lord asked me to pray about it. So I started talking with the Lord about it. And the Lord said, consider it. I think it's important. And I was like, give me a break. So I considered it, and I landed on a verse. And that's going to come up, um, at least least for now. I reserve the right to change it if I want to. But um, at least for now, this is the verse, and we're going to get to it in this next part. Now, here's what I want to tell you. What we're going to do next. I just want you to know where we're going so you can be prepared for this, okay? He wants this to be practical for you. Say, I'm going to have his peace. It's a practical thing, okay? And we're going to look at two instances separated by a long, long time where different people didn't have peace, and we're going to see what they did and what God did. Does that sound good? Okay. Um, You can start turning. Turn with me to Exodus 33 and verse 12. Don't you love that in my story? Did you notice how God, God will speak through people, and if you're dense like I am sometimes, later he'll confirm it and go, I already spoke it through this person's mouth. Were you listening? (laughs) Consider it. I think it's important. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so this is Moses. Now we're about to read a story about him where um, 
He's not at peace. And you're going to see this. And you're going to see what he does in this moment. I'm not saying he always did it, but in this moment, it's recorded what he does when he's not at peace. Did I tell you the verse? We're starting in 33.12. It says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. Now, let's define what he's doing. He's bringing up 600,000 people, not including the women and children or those who are not recorded in the books because they're outside the faith. Some of those are going with them. A boatload of people. (laughs) He's responsible to bring them from bondage to life, from slavery to inheritance, across a really hard journey across the desert. That's the context. And he says... Tim, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace or favor that can be translated in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Now, look, I'm going to stop for a minute. Look, look at what Moses does. Moses says he doesn't have peace here, right? Why is he talking to God? Because he's like, I have got a, a distinct lack of shalom in this calling. And he says, you haven't even told me who you're going to send to help. Who, who's going with us to do this thing? And, and the first thing he asks is he says, he, I, see, Moses knows something. He says, show me your way. He knows that peace is going to be in Jesus' way. He knows that his own way is not going to be a place of peace. There's a thousand ways you can do it. There's only one way you can do it in peace. His way. And he goes on, he says, So show me your way that I may know you and that I, might, that I may find grace in your sight. And consider, I love this, and consider that this nation is your people. Now I want to tell you something. This is one of my favorite passages. I told you that we're leading up to one of, you know, probably my life verse. Um, And, you know, you can interpret Scripture from different inflections, right? You can imagine or interpret the way Moses is talking to God in different ways. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I want to tell you, here I think that he is... He is bringing it (laughs) to the Lord. That's the way I read this. If you read it a different way, that's okay. But I believe that this is kind of like a lament. This is a bit like um, when David comes to the Lord in the Psalms. He's not fooling around. He's going, you've asked me to bring up this people. You haven't even told me who you're sending with me. This is baloney. He's letting God know what he really really feels. And he says, you're going to show me your way. Because I'm not going to try to bring all these people up my way. That's what's going on here. Okay? And I want to tell you, when, <laughs> when he says, and consider this nation your people, he's letting God have it. I think the inflection is on your. And consider this nation, they're your people. I think that's what he's doing. He's holding God to account. And you know God's big enough to take it. Before you're done, you're going to see how God responds to this this approach to having a lack of peace. Can anybody use more peace? 
Okay, you're getting a practical way. I'm telling you, you're getting truth the way the kingdom of God works to have it. You can reach out and take it. It is available. You know, there's, there's hundreds of things here that Moses could be complaining about. I mean, think about this. He's about to take 600 plus thousand people across a desert. Is there a couple of things he could be worried about? Is there going to be water? Is there going to be food? Which way should we go? You haven't even given me a map. <laughs> they didn't have GPS yet. There's a million things to be worried about. And, and he comes to God going, who are you going to send to help me? And what's your way? I'm going to have to know your way. That's what Moses decides to bring. Now, here it is. Here's the Lord's answer. And the Lord said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Do you recognize that Moses' first question was, who are you going to send with me? to help me do this. And God's answer to Moses, after Moses laments and and, um, back talks and everything he's doing to God, God says, my presence, I'll go. I'm the one going to go with you. And then here's here's my life verse. Of course, I had to pick two. Did I follow the rules? (laughs) You know me, I couldn't narrow it to one. I think I did pretty good picking two. They're in a row. It's the next two verses. <laughs> huh? It helps. So does that keep me in the rules? Okay. All right. So, so here it is. He basically says, my presence will be your peace. And then Moses wants to talk back a little bit more. Can you imagine? That's my favorite verses. Moses talking back. I don't know. <laughs> Verse 15. Here's Moses. Then he said to him, Moses says, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. God just said, my presence is going to go with you. And Moses goes, yeah, well, if it doesn't, we're not going. (laughs) But now listen to what he says. This is why I couldn't leave it with one verse, okay? Verse 16 says, For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? Unless it's your presence. That does it, unless it's your peace. Except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. How shall we be different? The presence of God. That's an alien thing to this world. The presence of God is not of this world. Now listen, do you think, um, do you agree with me? How many, let's see a show of hands. How many of you agree with me that Moses a little bit is like talking back here? I mean, he's in a relation, he's letting God have it, right? And then do you think that the Lord delights in this? Does he, does he appreciate this at all? What happens next? So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Go ahead and say, he knows me by name. You've found grace in his sight. And then Moses thinks he's on a roll. I have to do this. Um, Verse 18, you have to love the spirit of this guy. He says, and he said, please show me your glory. (laughs) I mean, he must be thinking, um, I've let God have it. And every time he lets God have it again, God says, okay, I'll do that for you. So now he says, hey, I'm on a roll here. <laughs> Show me your glory. <laughs> you have to love that. 
I mean, that's the kind of spirit I believe that delights God. When you have that spirit, when you're like, if your presence isn't going, neither am I. And if I'm going to fulfill a calling like that, do you know that you have a mighty calling? You see, none of this is going to make sense to you unless you believe that you have a calling that's bigger, that's as big as God. You'd be listening to a conversation like this and you'd be like, I don't get it. <laughs> What's this conversation all about? Remember, it started at, the, at his calling. It started at Moses saying, you say to me, bring this people up from here. Easy for you to say. That's what Moses was saying. You have got a calling as big as God. And do you know that in that big, crazy, scary, unbelievable calling is where your peace is? <laughs> Isn't that weird? That's the truth. That's the truth. You see, I do not believe that Moses had any doubt in God's ability. I also do not believe, after reading that, that God's presence was any more with Moses after the conversation than it was before. Do you know that? Do you know God is, uh, is completely with, um, he's nuts about you. He's completely with all abandon. He is all over you, in love with you. His presence is completely with you right now. Do you know that? But I do believe that Moses' awareness or awakeness to the presence of God was radically different after that conversation. Do you know that? You see, he promises, I give you my spirit. To every believer, he gives you the spirit. His presence is with you for the mighty things that he has planned for you where your peace is. The, the presence of God is with every believer. But I'm going to tell you something. The awareness of that presence across this room varies greatly. Do you know that? You see, I can be thirsty and have a bottle of water right here, and if I'm not aware or awake to the fact that there's a bottle of water sitting right here, it's not available to me. It doesn't take away from the fact that the bottle is present. Is this making sense? Okay? The, the presence of God is with every believer. Your awareness of his presence is another matter. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you know what, he, you know what that means? When he, John the Baptist said it, Jesus said it. When he sent out the 12, what did he tell them to do? When he sent them out two by two, he said, go out and heal. And then he said, and tell them when you, when you do it, heal them first, and then tell them the presence of uh, the kingdom is at hand. Remember this? Okay, what's he saying? It's at hand. The good news is that it's within your reach. That's what at hand means. The peace of God is within your reach. He wept because he looked out over Jerusalem and he said they don't understand the things that make for their peace. It wasn't that it wasn't within their reach. He was right there manifesting the kingdom, wanting to manifest the kingdom. He's wanting to do that in your life. His presence is 
right there. He is so in love with you. He is not withholding anything from you. It's, he's at hand. <laughs> okay, then I've got to do this. Do you know um, what a lack of peace is? A lack of peace is being preoccupied with your lack. Peace is being preoccupied with who he is. Do you know that? And his, and his promise to be with you. I will never forsake you. A lack of peace is being, you know that we even get preoccupied with the possibility of lack? <laughs> I'm so glad you're relating with me. If it was silent in here when I said that, I'd be like, I quit. <laughs> we do it all the time, don't we? I can get all anxious about what I don't even lack yet just because I could lack it. <laughs> right? Being preoccupied with the one who has no lack and has promised that he is crazy about you and has good plans for you is the absence of anxiety. That's shalom. It's in the presence of God where shalom is. You see, seeking the presence is the peace of God. Notice that I didn't say um, even attaining the presence. You see, because it's not something you have to attain. He already gave it to you. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. <laughs> His presence is with you right now. It's not something you have to attain. Seeking the presence, having a heart that says, I value nothing more than your presence, is shalom. It takes what is at hand, what is within reach, and makes it yours. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Okay. No, we have to. Go to Luke 24 and verse 13. Okay, we're going to look at two more people that had a distinct lack of peace. You're going to see them resp respond to this lack of peace a little bit differently, but you're going to see the same goodness of God. Okay? This is supposed to be practical. This is one more story that's going to show you that you can have his peace. It is at hand. Okay, these two men, this is right after the Lord's resurrection. It's the road to Emmaus. You know, let's see, you all know this story? Who knows the story? Okay. Um, I'll just start reading. Okay, verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. So just notice that this is not just walking out to the mailbox or something. This is a seven mile, this is a long walk. Okay, And it goes on and says, And as they talked together of all these things which had happened, what are those things? This is right after he rose. So we're talking about all the events leading to his death and the fact that he was put to death. All those events. Okay, And it goes on and says, So it was while they conversed and reasoned. Now I'd love to take another hour and, and tie together 
the word, the fact that the word reason is there. You find out you can look at like um, Mark chapter 2 where the scribes are reasoning. Jesus perceives that they're reasoning and they get his wrath. Um, reasoning is always of this world thinking. Okay? Um, and that's what they're doing. So as, while they conversed and they reasoned, Okay, in 2 Corinthians somewhere, it talks about our warfare, and it says that our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual, right? You know this passage, and it's saying that casting down all of the reasonings, all of the high things that set themselves up against truth, okay? So it's no mistake that they are conversing and reasoning and reasoned, okay? And then what comes next is just beautiful. It says that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So here's where they're at. Do you see that they are two guys that lack, they have a distinct lack of shalom? And um, are they asking for Jesus at this moment? No, they're conversing and reasoning. (laughs) They're trying to figure it out. Like I do most of the time. I'm getting better about it. God's growing me. But they're reasoning it through. And the presence shows up. The presence of God. The only place where peace is. Jesus comes without being asked. He meets them where they're at. It says, but their eyes were restrained. As we read on, we'll see what it is that restrains their eyes. And so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So there's no peace there, as you walk and are sad. And then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Okay, so um, that's kind of talk back too, isn't it? Are you the only idiot who doesn't know what's going on? Now, do you think that Jesus doesn't know what it is that they're reasoning and conversing about? (laughs) He knows exactly what is the source of stealing their peace, their kingdom inheritance, their peace. That's part of your inheritance, right? And then verse 19, and he said to them, what things? Boy, he's a pain in the... (laughs) Right? Now, Now, look, why is he doing this? He knows, he knows that they know, but that is not the same thing as talking to Jesus about it. He's saying, I want you to, I want you to talk to me about it. I, I know that you know, and I know, but I want you to tell me about it. I want you to bring your lack of peace because it's been prophesied about me. I am the one that will bring you peace. But I have to be invited, (laughs) okay? His presence showed up, but he's prodding them. Have relationship with me. Tell me what steals your peace. Do you tell him what steals your peace, or do you waste your time considering and reasoning all the way down the seven-mile road? So they said to him, so look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shorten the middle and then we're going we're gonna to hit something, a gift that I believe God wants you to have today, okay? They go on and they tell him all these things. They tell him, nope, I can't do that. We got to read it. <laughs> we just have to. <laughs> Call it a prompt. 
So they said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Now listen to this. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. There it is. What happened? They brought a perception. Now look, they know some things. They know some words of the prophets. They just watched Jesus. Is their hope a good one? I'm going to say it's a good one. They were, I mean, they, they found the guy, and they're like, it's him. <laughs> That's cool. They knew that. But now look what happens. They bring their own perception to what God's way would be. And the moment you do, I want to tell you something, when you bring your own perception, when you put God in a box, you will find anxiety because he will not be handled by you. Peace is in his way. You see, Moses knew that. He said, show me your way. <laughs> These guys are doing the opposite. It will cause anxiety if self-founded expectations are in place of relationship. It says, indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of these who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see. Now here it is. Now listen, verse 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Now I'm going to ask you, put yourself in these guys' shoes. Can you make, what did he just say? He just said, you're slow of heart. What does he say is foolishness? You're slow of heart to believe in what the prophets have spoken. They had to be like, oh. We're talking to you about what the prophets have spoken. What are you talking about? That's exactly what the subject matter is. But they're slow of heart to believe what they were actually saying. Now, look what Jesus says. Now, are any of you slow of heart? Look, do you know what? Jesus was the greatest prophet, right? No, I didn't just take his deity, so don't do that. But he was also a prophet. His role was prophet, priest, king. Okay, what did he prophesy about you? He said you would get the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said you would be saved eternally. He said these things that I do to bring the kingdom of God to earth, you will do greater than me. Are you slow of heart to believe? Um, the definition of foolishness, at least in Jesus' conversation here, are you slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken about your calling? Moses was worried about taking 600,000 people with him. What are you worried about? <laughs> I didn't mean that the way that came out. I, uh, <laughs> I actually meant, what is your calling? Although you can do it either way. You know, whichever way works for you, just take that. <laughs> oh, you're so fun, God. <laughs> I miss that. I probably should miss that. Just let's just let that pass. <laughs> oh, foolish ones. And then he says the way they should be determined. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? 
Okay, go to verse 28. And he says, then they drew near to the village where they were going. Now there's a point here, so listen. And he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him. Can you, do you realize what that just said? They constrained God. <laughs> they constrained him, saying, abide with us. There's Emmanuel. God with us, right? Abide with us. They constrained him. So the presence of God, now listen to me. The presence of God goes where it's invited. It goes where it's wanted. And I want you to notice it. He, he goes <laughs> where it's wanted. That presence of, of him goes where invited. In this case, even before they really understood the identity of this presence. Now I'm going to show you there's an insight just next. In fact, let's just read and I'll show you this. Um, verse 30, it says, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with him, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Notice, notice two quick things that I can't teach about this morning, but at his table was the revelation of his identity, where his goodness, where his sustenance, where his peace, where his provision is, his identity is revealed. And then can you imagine, and then he vanished from their sight. Poof! There's some things you read in the scripture where you just got to go, that had to be weird. <laughs> that had to be really weird. But then what they say next is so telling. It says, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Did not our heart burn within us? Now I'm going to tell you what you're reading, and this is the gift. So if you're open to this, just take this in, okay? So this is a gift. I know this is from God for this morning. They did have... An awareness, their spirit did have a recognition of the presence of God, where peace is. It's the reason he, Jesus was going to go on, and it's the reason they constrained him and said, abide with us. Without even being aware of it, they weren't ready to let that go. Did not our heart burn within us? The passage does not say that they were consciously aware of the burning when it was happening. It was after the fact. After his identity was revealed, they're talking to each other again, and they're going, did not our heart burn within us? You see, why does God do things the way that he does? Why did he walk with them for seven miles or whatever the portion of that journey was without them having a recognition or an awareness that they were, a conscious awareness that they were in the presence of God? Why did he do that? Build re That's good. Build relationship. I want to challenge you this morning to take this with you, Okay. His presence is with you all the time. He wants to teach you about his presence. He wants you to be a person who is awake to his presence. And that's what he did for these guys. That's what you just read. They, their hearts were burning within them, but they weren't aware of it until after he went and vanished. 
because he wanted to teach them. I, I'm just going to... I'm just going to make a guess here, and you do what you want with it. But I'm guessing that the next time the presence of God was with these two guys and their hearts burned in the same way, even if Jesus wasn't physically present in body like he was in that story, they have a recognition of the presence of God with them. Do you agree with that? He wanted to teach them. He, is, he desperately wants relationship with you because he's nuts about you. He's totally in love with you and he wants that relationship. But now listen to me, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. It is not a presence problem that you have. God is present with you. Loving you, providing for you, granting his shalom, his completeness, his well-being, his plans, his prosperity, his health. His, his presence is with you. That is not the same thing as your awareness. And I would say that, that this Christmas season, as you move forward, as we anticipate you know, one more time the celebration of the birth of the king, I challenge you, make it your prayer. God, teach me to be awake to your presence like you did these guys. He's loving you a million times a day. And he does want to teach you to have recognition of his presence, his very real, the presence of himself in your life. He wants you to have that. Just say with me, I want his presence. I want awareness of his presence. And he wants to teach me to recognize his presence in my life. <laughs> that one was too long, wasn't it? <laughs> he does. He wants you to be fully awake to his presence with you. He does. Oh, we were going to do good stuff. Okay, let me see. <laughs> let me pray for you. Father, I sense that there is discouragement in this place. And in the strong name of Jesus, I cast down the spirit of discouragement, the spirit of depression. Be cast out in the name of Jesus. You have no place in their lives. They've come here for the peace of God. They've come here for your peace, Father. And I declare that we are becoming a people of the presence of God, and that is how we shall be different. Or how else will they know? that we are the people that have your favor unless your presence is with us. Father, I ask that, um, that you would begin to awaken in new ways an awareness of your presence in their lives, that you would quicken their spirit with a recognition like you did with, with these two guys, Father that you would quicken our spirits to have an instant recognition that we would be instructed in the way, that we would, we would learn to recognize your presence. 
Father, I pray that you would fill us with a mighty belief that yourself, your kingdom, your spirit, and all the benefits thereof, every blessing you want to give us is at hand. Father, I pray that you'd fill us with a mighty faith, a mighty belief that we can reach out and take the blessing that you want us to have if we have the awareness that you're offering it. I know that you offer, uh, you author sweet moments where you are desperately trying to love us and bask us in the touch of your presence every day. And I ask, Lord, that the, uh, I bind um, the assignments of the enemy to conceal and cover those moments that you author. And Lord, I ask that you would create hungry hearts that want, that want nothing more than your presence so that our hearts are positioned to be awake to the touches of your presence. Make us a people of your peace. Make us so alien to this world that when people look at us, they want to know where we get our peace. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray all these things. Amen.